What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Nerdwide Podcast. This is episode 27, and do we have some fun things to talk about? It is a big news week, of course, with Superman and Lois returned. We also have our movie review of Army of the Dead, and as far as gaming, GTA 5 just won't die. So, this first off, my name's Tyler Haynes. Welcome to the Nerdwide Podcast, and to my right here is Chris Rivers, of course, with MLB The Show on brand right there behind him. Chris, how are you? Doing pretty good. How are you doing? I am well. Of course, we are recording on a early Monday morning instead of a Sunday night. That was my fault, but it's okay because we've got a lot to talk about. Before we get into it, let's do a quick housekeeping. Don't forget to subscribe to either our YouTube or podcasting services of your choice. If you enjoy the show, make sure you leave a thumbs up on YouTube or give us a pretty good rating on our podcasting apps. If you don't enjoy what you see or hear, make sure you leave us a comment to let us know what you didn't enjoy so we can improve the show instead of you know just tearing us down so we can figure out how we can make this show better for you. If you want to do more, you can always go to patreon.com slash nerdwide. It's three different tiers there if you want to pitch us a couple bucks our way. Right. Help me buy a zombie tiger. A zombie tiger? You want one? No. Look, yeah. Chris, let me ask you this. If you had a zombie tiger, what would you name it? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. I'm just letting Valentine's a good name. You know, I didn't, wasn't expecting the tiger to be well named in Army of the Dead, but still a good name. Well, tigers have stripes, right? Right. So I'd probably call it. Z- <laughs> Let's see. Stripe. Stripe. Z. With a Z. <laughs> a Z. <laughs> Instead of a. Uh... The, the Z for zombie. This is zombie strike. Zombie strike. I think I would go with. Uh. Man eater. Man, Bruce is a good one. I like Bruce. Uh, and that is not a Finding Nemo reference, I promise. So, Chris, let's get right into our TV section this week. Uh, what you been watching? Anything other than Superman and Lois this week? I finished up that Netflix series, Conspiracy. Yeah? I went ahead and knocked the rest of that out, yeah. Was it as good as uh, the first couple episodes? Uh, there were some episodes more interesting than others, you know. It's just... Some of them I was like, oh, I'm not really into this, but I kept it on just to say I watched it. Did any uh, any of them convince you one way or the other of anything? Not the way it's presented. So so what they do is they they spend most of the episode, most of each segment. There's usually three in a in a show. They spend most of the segment presenting the alternate theory. Mm. what everyone's been told and then they have like one or two people at the end that you've already seen talking about stuff come in and say but basically all this is crap because we can prove this is what happened have you have you been keeping up with the news lately where it's uh all these ufos that the navy has released and everything that they were like this is 100 (sighs) percent true i saw an article oh it was a video link Saying that it showed a UFO going into the into the water. Mm-hmm. Crazy man, I'm telling you, Atlantis is real. That's all I'm saying. Atlantis is an alien civilization. Mm-hmm. But as far as I have been watching, uh, still with the Brooklyn Nine Nine train, we've watched a lot of episodes of it. But more importantly for this show, I am done with Flash season six. Now really? it ended with 19 episodes, so you've got 20, 21, and 22 due to COVID, didn't air 
when it was supposed to. So technically the season didn't ramp up until season seven, episode three. And because that was when COVID outbroke and they stopped filming and everything. So I did it that way. Um, and I'm just going to wait until it's on Netflix because I refuse to sit through CW ads to watch all these shows. It, it takes me out of it and it kills me. It's so bad. That's how I watch Superman and Lois, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's the same thing on Hulu, yeah. though, because it's paid for through CW. I mean, a four minute, like three minute, two and a half minute ads. I'm like, I can't do this. Well, what makes it, and I don't know what it is about these ads in particular, right? But every other ad will play fine during the show. Like, it just goes right into it. It rolls through it until it gets to the State Farm ad. Oh. And for some reason, it freezes up and it doesn't want to play it. Oh, of course. So I'm sitting there waiting the first time it happened, going, oh, this is great. I'm going to have to restart. And then it would play like three seconds. Mm-mm. And then it would it, it would buffer. But there's nothing to show you. There's no you know circle on the screen to show you it's buffering. It just, and it takes probably a minute and a half to two minutes to get through a 30-second oh, ad. Oh, no. Mm-mm. And it's just, it's horrible. I don't know why that particular ad. I'm That's going, the only one. I'm going to need CW to send us screeners of all these episodes. I so, agree. So we can, one, watch them without ads, but two, so we can write up article pieces on them and and go from there. But Flash Season 6, I feel like, um, I guess the technical finale was really well done. I mean, obviously there's a lot left unanswered and a lot not really cleaned up, but it's... I swear that show is as top tier CW superhero show. I mean, much like Superman and Lois, but Flash. I mean, you've gone on for six seasons, and we're just now. Once I start watching, it will be getting into like the controversial stuff with the uh, the actor that plays Dibney getting fired, and you know, a lot of people leaving the show after this season. So I'm just waiting for Netflix to get it. You know how they do? They they'll finish the season, and then two weeks later, that pops up on Netflix. Sometimes the same week. But I'm ready for it. I need to. Uh, I'm halfway through an episode of Black Lightning. That's gonna be the next one to finish off, and then I'll do Legends because I've already finished Arrow. But you know, we're not worried. People aren't here to listen to what we've been watching like that. They want to know, you know, whether they want us to review Superman and Lois. Now, for all the listeners and viewers out there that don't know what Hero Cravings is, Hero Cravings is a podcast that Chris and I did back in. I think we it ended in 2018. I think uh, 2018 or 2019. And what we did was we watched all of these superhero shows that came out at once. We had a lot. We had Krypton. We would have uh, Cloak and Dagger. We had Flash. We had, you know, Inhumans. And what we did was we watched them all. We would uh, give our reviews to it. We would talk about the the episodes of the major plot points. Uh, We would give our ratings. And ultimately, we would do a douche canoe of the week out of all of the shows. What that is is just who was the bad guy of the bad guy of everything. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to bring that show back to life. Just a little small small chunk for you just for Superman and Lois until we start doing a little bit more shows in there. And that will help fill in some of these times with our podcast. We do have a big week of news, so you're going to get a pretty big uh, episode, which you know we're all about, so we're okay with. But Chris, I want to get right into it. We're going to jump into Superman and Lois, Season 1, Episode 6. Of course, the spoilers tag is up because we are going to talk about the episode from the beginning. And this one was titled Broken Trust. And I don't know if it was the 
the drought of not having this episode, having this show for a month and a half, two months. But man, this was a phenomenal episode, and I, I really enjoyed most of it. There were some things in there which we'll talk about that I didn't really care for, and but they left us a lot to think about too, and I'm all about it. All right. To be fair, I watched this episode twice. First episode uh, I watched on Saturday. This other, the other one I watched this morning just because I wanted to be up and ready to go. There we go. All right, starting right where we left off with Tag and Jordan fighting in the forest, and Tag is wanting some answers on to why he is this way and made him this way. He saw a video from um, Tej, I think is who he saw the video from, and you could clearly see that um, Jordan started the explosion somehow, some way with something. Obviously, he doesn't realize it's his uh, heat vision, but he's like, hey, you did this to me. What happened and what is going on? I need answers. Uh, of course, he does not get those answers because uh, Jordan hit the super switch. Is what I'm, That's the only thing I'm going to call it, the super switch. I don't, I don't know what else to call that, that device that everyone seems to have now. Superman comes in right away from hearing that switch uh, to save the day. Of course, there was a, a messy CGI chasing for me. I did not like the way they did tag running. Um, when they did it head on right here, I was like, why would you, the, when he was running through, when he had some of the top eye view, I thought that was fine. But when they had the camera right here on him, it just looked gross and messy to me. Did not appreciate that, but it ended with a phenomenal train scene. Train goes derailed because tag runs across the, the track, makes it melt to pop up a little bit. Luckily Superman could just heat vision that right down and it just goes away. Of course, tag escapes. Edge is rallying with the community to get the minds back to work, and he wants Lana to be the head of the community for Smallville, not her husband, which was uh, very controversial, and poor guy can't uh, can't get a break. He's being made the uh, the bad guy, Mr. Kyle here, played by uh, Eric Valdez. A great actor, uh, like Jonathan, which we'll get to later, just, just keeps getting the shaft. I mean, he's all for... Edge doing great uh, things for him, making him look great. But all he cares about is his wife and, you know, to each their own. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jordan's powers are going crazy with super hearing, which is what we're assuming is super hearing. Uh, just like the Jonathan, they were in the hospital, the school. Jonathan closes his locker. He thinks he slams it, starts getting a little, uh, a nice little screechy sound that made me have a headache. I don't know if that was the intended point of the uh, the screeching but it works uh, Jonathan and Jordan go into the boys bathroom uh, Jonathan is able to calm his brother down and this is getting on my nerves all right Jonathan just keeps getting just screwed every episode this yeah. poor kid doesn't have you know he's backup quarterback now he doesn't have any powers quote-unquote that we know of yet um, we, okay Ladies and gentlemen, we all know at the end of the season we're going to find out Jonathan does have power somehow, some way, whether he's flying or he can, um, I don't know, super breath or something. We're going to find out he's got powers. I, I just know it. And then, so he's able to talk him off the ledge. Of course, there's a big game coming up between Metropolis and Smallville, and Jordan really wants to play just to teach all the douchebags that were in his middle school. And yeah, I guess it was middle school because he's a freshman this year. Um, that he is much stronger and much better than what he was when he was there. Meanwhile, Lana goes to meet, uh, Lois goes to meet Lana and Kyle to try and tell them Morgan is corrupt and doing evil, illegal activities. I did two rolling eye emojis on my notes here strictly because why? Why are we still trying this? How many times do they have to tell you? I mean, 
obviously they are so far up edges, you know, they're brown nosing at this point. And especially with Lana getting this uh, promotion and even Kyle said that, you know, why are we, you know, he just got her big promotion. Why would we want to go and do this with you? He's done nothing great for these people. He said, uh, you know, there's a guy, he threw some random guy's name, that's been out of work for eight months that Morgan Edge has given him a job. And he says, he's got mouths to feed and you want to go and screw this all up, which to each their own. But if Lois is telling you there's something going on, she's a world-renowned uh, uh, author and writer, I would kind of listen to her, but we'll get to that later. Clark and the boys start training where Clark used to train with his dad with his super strength with a nice big log down in the basement right beside the spaceship. Um, of course, nice little touching scene with Jonathan and Jordan and uh, telling them, you know, just imagine that's that bully cutter that we're going to play in football, which, of course, is going to come around later. And he punches the log, leaves a big indention just like Clark used to with his dad. Of course, this nice little training scene gets interrupted by Sam tracking down Tag and treating him like an animal instead of a kid. The way this guy is talking about a teenager is absolutely horrendous. And that, of course, comes back later on in the episode as well. Turns out Tag is not in Metropolis. He is actually in Smallville outside of Sarah's house stalking her. Again, talking about the commercials is when a commercial break happened. Took me out of the scene. I could care less. We come right back with a football game between Metropolis and Smallville. And I'm going to point out those stands were absolutely empty. I guess it's not a big uh, ticket seller from a little small Kansas City and Smallville comes to Metropolis to, to play a team. But it, the, quarter, the starter quarterback gets hurt due to Jordan's hearing and Jonathan is officially in the game. Jordan blocks a sack and taunts his old bully, which makes Clark pull him over and tells him to rein it in. I thought this was a great scene. I, I had to mention this one because you could tell Jordan's um, letting these powers get the best of him. And he's you know kind of standing over uh, his bully cutter, just like Juju Smith did with Perfect, if you want to put it in the real world. Um, of course, Clark pulls him in and pulls him down. He says, you know, if you gotta, you've got to get this together because this is out of control, which, you know, to each their own. I enjoyed that. Meanwhile, Lois and Luther sneak into the mines and Tag visits Sarah and accidentally knocks her out with his powers, which, uh, you know, pretty sure she could have died from that. You know, he kind of hit her and it, she hit the head on the corner of a table. And whatever. It knocks her out. That's what he wanted. Doesn't take her to the hospital. Yeah, I mean, he, he probably should take her to the hospital, not some rundown warehouse. That's just, you know, plot holes. But anyways... Smallville gets another touchdown, but after the play, there is a fight, and Jordan's at the bottom of this dog pile, and he cannot hold his heat vision in any longer. Clark runs in. Obviously, you can tell something's going on, but before we get to the ending of the scene, I had to replay this because I could have swore Jonathan threw a guy, but no, he just shoved him. So, nothing big. I was like, oh, my God, did we just see Jonathan's powers? No, I just... I was a little too hopeful. Uh, Clark runs onto the field and tells him to just let it out. And he, what he does is he puts his hand over his his football helmet and says, just let the heat vision out. If you can't take it in, just let it out. And Tyler Hecklin, again, I am a huge fan of him. I've said this every episode and every week. But his acting, I think him and Jordan's acting, this whole episode was phenomenal. Both of them did such a, a good job. Um, and way when he was you could tell he was in pain from Jordan's heat vision which is great because it shows you know he can still be hurt anyways tag takes Sarah to abandoned building in Metropolis and explains his powers to her while saying this is not his fault there is more at play here and he thinks Jordan is the cause that's going to come back later in the episode keep that in mind 
Lois and Luther are in the mines mining for X kryptonite. We found out there's a new kryptonite, uh, which is gold and yellow, which, you know, I guess in Smallville, we kind of does the opposite because in Smallville, it takes the powers away. In this show, they're giving them powers, their uh, Superman powers, whoever. So they irrigate caught by Edge's assistant who has heat vision, just like Superman. But while Clark is out looking for Sarah, the boys go out and do a little te- little celebrating with the football team. They'll go and get a little six or a 12 pack. Just going to go drink on the side of the road because why not bring it back to the hotel? Yeah, to each their own. Um, the Metropolis D-bags crush the celebration and bait Jordan into hitting him. But Jonathan stops the punch. Now, Linda. But we're going to put, put a pin on this one because was this super strength or was it just him stopping it? I mean, ultimately he breaks his wrist and arm and you can hear it and cracking and everything. Does he stop it with super strength or did he just put his hand up is my question. Well, I mean, he, he stopped it to a point, right? Right. I mean, he was throwing a full force. Punch. Yeah, that was, that was so, going to mess up that kid's jaw. I don't think the average person would have had broken bones, right? Because their their hand would have just fallen, <laughs> just kept going. Right? <laughs> like it, it, he would have just pushed by it, right? So Jonathan was able to keep his hand there, and that's what caused all the bones there mm-hmm. to to break. I I do think he's got super strength. I mean. But who knows? I, I thought this was a really well seen, really well done scene, um, just because Jonathan is always the older brother, and again he keeps getting the shaft, and I just don't understand why we're doing Jonathan this way. He's, he's man, he, we're great and all. We're celebrating. I mean, he made a touchdown. He made two different touchdowns this episode that we saw, and finally against his old team, and. But it all gets no one really pays attention to it because Jordan had the meltdown on the field. And then afterwards, everyone's celebrating Jordan. And now Jonathan, I'm like, dude, your backup quarterback that y'all have kept benched this whole time just made two touchdowns. And but anyways, this poor kid, he's going to get something coming. I, I hope they're not making him to be the bad guy. But who knows? We will see. So uh, Luther has a device that can use heat vision against whoever, how, whoever has it and is now on Lois and Clark's radar. So this little device took the heat vision from the assistant, I forget her name, I've got it pulled up right here, um, Leslie Lar, and shoots it right back at her and knocks her out. But, and this is another thing, the actor that plays it, I know they made him do this though, um, Danny Watt, no, that's not his name. Where is Lex Luthor? I wanna make sure I get his name right. Well, for some reason, IMDb, oh, there he is, uh, Wally Parks, does not blink in any of his scenes next time you watch it because I, I made sure because I, I caught it on the first time I was like eh, surely he's blinked but when they're out there talking and arguing outside of his RV he is his eyes are big and wide I know he did this on purpose though but he he didn't blink the whole time I was like oh okay and you can I keep forgetting that Lois was his wife on his world and so he could you could tell he's He's struggling with that conflict of loving this earth, but also being married to his quote-unquote enemy. But anyways, 
Tag shows a video from the bonfire to show uh, show Sarah that Jordan started the explosion. Superman enters the scene as well as the DOD, and he protects Tag, but gets shot with Kryptonite's bullet anyways, and Superman gets pissed. I absolutely love this scene. I've watched it maybe yeah. four times, just rewinding it and playing it back, because he goes right up to that uh, the DOD member and says, stand down. His eyes are glowing. His chest, his chest is puffed up. He was angry. I was like, oh, he's, he's about to get hit. But no, what we do, we go back to the DOD with Sam, and he said, you know, Sam is still treating this kid as an animal. And he says, no, now I know where you stand on this issue. And then he hears um, Jordan say, Dad, John's hurt. He zooms away. Papers fly everywhere. I love, that's how they show super speed on the CW. It's just paper flying, just flying everywhere. Um, <laughs> Lois and Lana are teaming up to reveal the truth of what's going on with Edge. With Lana as an inside woman, I like that we um, are doing this. Of course, Kyle doesn't know. That's going to be a big rift in their relationship. Again, Lana is too good for Kyle, if you ask me. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a Lana appreciator. Um... Lois has a heart-to-heart with Jordan, and after that, the ringing returns in Jordan's ears and causes him to start seizing. Lois calls for Clark, and he says he has to take him to the fortress right away, and they fly off what would possibly be the best acting I've seen with Tyler Hecklin all season long, and it was only for five seconds. And that ends our show. Yeah. <sighs> I loved it. When, when, yeah. when he started seizing right there, and you see Clark just zoom in like that and says, I've got to go. That, that's just some great acting. And you can see, I love that scene or that angle where she's showing him come up and then bolting through the clouds at super speed. Mm-hmm. I don't think they could have done that any better. Uh, Chris, I want to know what you think of this episode. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a, it was a really solid way to come back from that, from that break. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked at the time they were going on the break about, would this hurt them? You right. know, like you, you've got to come back strong. And I felt like they came back strong. Yeah. No, um, I hope they can finish the season off this way because yeah. I mean, you, you have to show, I mean, not, yes, you've already signed on for a season two, but you still have to show them that this break was worth it. And I know it's more so for post-production because I don't, there's no way they're still filming right now. I think this is all post-production that they're messing. The same thing that happened with this is us. It was all, they couldn't do it because it was all post. They couldn't get into the, the editing bays and labs and everything. But as far as ratings go, we got a 0.28, which was the hot, second highest rated CW show for this week. And Chris, this is going to surprise you on this one. Supernatural, number one. I know what you're thinking. Isn't that show done? Well, they did a rerun and somehow that was still their most watched rated, eh, whichever. I enjoyed it. But, Chris, it is time for Tennessee's favorite question. Who is our douche canoe of the week? Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know about this one, we always pick you know, who's the, the baddest of the bad, who just makes you just angry every time they come on the screen, or who just screwed somebody over just so bad. And normally we pick it out uh, beforehand, but I said, you know, Screw it. We'll do it live this time. And I'm going to put my bet my bet in for Sam uh, Lane. It's not bad. I just, just the way he he's treating this teenager as an animal that's gone awry 
when he's just a teenager who's trying to understand these powers and just can't. So that's where my pick is. So, Who you got? Well, there's, there's, I think two other options. Um, one obviously would be Cutter. Right. Right. Just that's kind of self-explanatory based on your, how he was acting. Your generic uh, D bag from school, calling him JoJo and saying he's on steroids and everything. Oh, Talks about being with his girlfriend now and all that. Oh God, what a who does? Why would you mention that to? John? That was one of your friends too. You know what I mean? Uh, let, people letting all that uh, popularity go to their heads. The other dark horse here for a, a possible douche canoe might surprise you. Uh, Jordan. Mm-hmm. I knew you were gonna say him. Yeah. Because I, I mean, Clark tells him, "Stay here." Mm-hmm. After the game, Jonathan tries to do the right thing and stay in the room, but Jordan just he he's that stereotypical kid that is finally popular mm-hmm. and the guys he wants to be cool with are like, "No, oh, come on, man, let's go. The liquor store's down the street, and he's like, "Okay, right, even though he knows it's the wrong thing to do and, and Jonathan, you could tell Jonathan only went just so he could keep an eye on him. Mm-hmm. And he tried to and ended up breaking his wrist in the end. Yeah, I, I, I like, let's do JoJo. Let's do JoJo as douche canoe. Because if you think about it too, the whole episode, he was lying to his dad, mm-hmm. which, I mean, it's a teenager thing. But he ends up breaking his brother's arm to the point that we don't know if he's ever going to play football again, which is what Jonathan only has, him and his tracksuit. That's all he has is his tracksuit, and football, because uh, he obviously doesn't have Eliza. I mean, Sarah's not his girl. That's JoJo's girl, and which, uh, by the way, I'm calling him that for the rest of the show. Uh, JoJo. <laughs> but, man, it was, yeah, that, let, let's do JoJo. Just broke his brother's arm. He lied to his dad the whole episode. Clearly, they are, clearly there is something wrong. He even argues with his dad and says, we are not even alike. We're not similar or anything. And then Clark comes in at the end of the episode with the talk at the end. It's like, no, you said, you remember in the hotel we said we were uh, different. We are obviously very much alike. He says, I have a responsibility. He goes to earn these people's trust. And once you break that trust, it is harder, it's harder to fix than a broken wrist. I said, man, these writers are really on it this week because they did, oh, they're, they're so good. So, yes. Guys, next week episode is episode seven titled Man of Steel. And I feel like this is going to be the best one yet. I mean, you have to. With this name, you have to. I'm just, you have yeah. I, There's nothing else I can say there. All right. Spoilers tags are off. Chris, let's get right into our news. We've got seven news articles right here to read for you. Number one, AT&T is officially merging with Warner Media and Discovery, bringing together several news stations. We're going to IndieWire.com on this one. And this is by Zach Scharf. AT&T has announced a $43 billion deal that will spin off Warner Media and merge the media powerhouse with Discovery, bringing together the likes of CNN, HBO, Warner Brothers, HGTV, Oprah Winfrey Network, and Animal Planet under the same roof. The merger will create a new business separate from AT&T, which the Financial Times reports could be valued at as much as $150 billion. Uh, they put in the parentheses here, though CNN notes the new company will also carry a $55 billion in debt. 
Bloomberg reporter Ed Hammond first reported the news. Interesting. Comcast and Disney is not buying this one, so take that. So, what's what's weird about this, right, is obviously Warner's streaming service is HBO Max, Mm -hmm. right? Discovery just launched Discovery Plus. That that they did. So, I wonder if they're going to leave those separate or if they'll merge them together so all the discovery stuff is under a discovery tab within hbo max i mean what i I think it would have to depend on uh discovery plus's numbers Uh, i don't know how well it's doing i know my mother is a discovery plus i said mom there's too many stuff too much stuff out there i don't understand what you're getting from that but i mean that's the target audience you're aiming for and i mean they've got her hooked and she says you use my password whenever but if they comes HBO Max, I mean, I think that's what they should do. But then again, yeah. who listens to our opinion, Chris? Besides everybody it, that steals our ideas. It would kind of be good, actually, if they merged them. Because the whole point of streaming services in the first place was to give people an option to cable. Right. You know, so that, and everybody started cutting the cord. Right, getting rid of cable, streaming what they wanted to watch. Now there's so many streaming services that if you subscribe, if you have a varied taste in programming, if you subscribe to everything that you want, you're paying more than you would have paid for cable. Right, and that's so <laughs> that was what's supposed to kill cable. And yeah, you might as well just have it at this point. It it makes no sense. But something that does make sense, I've got three different, uh, no, two different news stories here about animated DC shows. This first one, a lot of people were excited about. Bruce Timm, J.J. Abrams, and Matt Reeves are teaming up to produce a new Batman animated series for Cartoon Network and HBO Max. We're going to Polygon.com from Susanna Polo for this one. So J.J. Abrams, the Batman, J.J. Abrams, the Batman director Matt Reeves, and Bruce Timm will spearhead Batman Caped Crusader, a reimagining of the Batman mythos in a new animated series Warner Brothers announced on Wednesday. Abrams is famous for his work on Alias, Lost, Star Trek, and Star Wars, while Reeves is in the thick of helming the Robert Pattinson-led Batman reboot that's coming in 2022. But it's Bruce Timm's involvement that may get the most fans to sit up and listen. Tim was one of the co-creators of Batman the Animated Series, the highly influential animated television show that was many a kid's first brush with the, with the DC Comics superheroes. It also spawned a whole interconnected universe of DC Comics shows, from the Superman Adventures to Batman Beyond and Justice League Unlimited. But Caved Crusader does not appear to be contiguous with the so-called DC Animated Universe. Did you ever watch uh, the Batman the Animated Series? It used to, um, about to date myself. It used to come on when I would come in from middle school. It was in the same block with stuff like um, Beetlejuice, the the Beetlejuice cartoon, mm-hmm. Darkwing Duck. Oh, um, Darkwing. Yeah, stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, I watched it quite a bit. Is this something of... you're going to be tuning into then? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And speaking of that, another one we got going with this news story, same day and same uh, news conference, 
New kids animated show titled My Adventures with Superman coming to HBO Max and Cartoon Network. Now, what's great about this one is, again, we're talking about Superman a lot because the show and Henry Cavill are just the best Superman ever made. But this one's great because who is voicing Superman? Jack Quaid. Yep, that's right. Huey from The Boys is officially Superman and Clark Kent. Now, we're going to Variety.com by Monica Marie Zorilla. Uh, is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's Clark Kent and Lois Lane in an all-new family-friendly animated series with Jack Quaid from The Boys and Alice Lee from Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, voicing America's most recognizable super sweethearts. HBO Max and Cartoon Networks announced a two-season series order for My Adventures of Superman, which follows the Man of Steel and the Dogs and the Dogs Daily Planet reporter in their twenties, as well as their best friend Jimmy Olsen, as they begin to discover who they are and everything they can accomplish together as an investigative news team. Aww. I think it's gonna be fun. I mean, I mean, it's coming. Both of these are coming to HBO Max, so I mean, obviously gonna be a watch. Yeah. Next up, we have got Amazon has renewed their Wheel of Time series for a second season ahead of the season one premiere. We're going to a small website known as comicbook.com by Christian Hopper. Amazon has officially given the green light for season two of the Wheel of Time. While we haven't seen even a full-length trailer for the show, Amazon seems very confident in its upcoming fantasy series and has renewed it for a second season. Uh, comicbook.com first reported on the renewal uh, after the Wheel of Time's Twitter account leaked a photo of the first script of the second season. Production of the first season wrapped earlier this week and show is expected to be released later this year. That is a book series I have heard a lot about. I just have not read it yet. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be like The Invincibles for me where I watch the show first and then want to catch up on the original material. Or what I do with that. But that's exciting. Uh, Amazon, obviously, with The Boys, Invincible, uh, their Lord of the Rings series that's going to be coming out. I mean, they're, they're pumping out these these good TV shows. And I'm excited for this one. There's a lot of people excited for it. But again, they signed up for a season two. We don't even have a trailer out for season one. So <laughs> take that how you will. And some... Uh, not so good news for you Star Wars fans out there. Star Wars Rangers of the New Republic is no longer in development. We're going to Collider.com by Scott Campbell. Star Wars series Rangers of the New Republic is no longer in active development for Disney+, Plus, with the news coming buried in a report from Variety.com, covering Dave Filoni's promotion to executive creative director at Lucasfilm. Put a pin in that. We'll come back to it. Which actually happened last summer, but wasn't updated again. We'll come back to that. Rangers of the New Republic was one of the many Star Wars projects announced at last year's Disney Investor Day. But it looks as though it's the, not, it's the only one not currently moving forward. Presumably, the decision is down to Lucasfilm and Disney cutting ties with the Mandalorian's Gina Carano, who is widely expected to headline the show given that the former MMA fighter's Cara Dune was literally made a Ranger of the New Republic in Season 2 of Jon Favreau and Filoni's streaming exclusive of The Mandalorian. I think that has a lot to do with it with uh we talked you know in the past i think it was last year when she got sacked from from playing at disney stuff anymore and due to her uh views and stuff she was spewing online does not come to a shock to me again it was very early in production they only had a title card for it so doesn't surprise me if that means we get more stuff uh they're going to focus on different things i'm sure we'll get a new show that was going to take the place of that 
but I think they'll announce that this year's investor day. But yeah. speaking of this year, we've got two more release dates coming at you. The Brooklyn Nine-Nine's final season, which is season eight, premieres on NBC on August 12th. And then DC's Titans season three comes out in August, of course. We're keeping our eye on that show because we loved season one and two. Uh, they announced it with all the cast and uh, members uh, just doing a quick little video each people like they're all out on their own they're just they cut the videos together so season three august i mean we don't have a hard date for it yet but and of course coming straight to hbo max i imagine they're going to do i wonder if they'll do a, a weekly episode or if it'll be all lumped into one i don't know kind of it's kind of odd though right to announce it that way yeah because they've they've been filming yes so <laughs> Why would, and especially not all? They weren't even together. Like some people were at their homes, right. some people were in their trailers. Sure. I mean, eh, I mean, Titans are doing things differently, anyways. So it's yeah. again, it's Warner Brothers in DC at this point. But I feel like they, I feel like they're trying to gain traction for the show, because I mean, mm -hmm. it hasn't been talked about since we got the, our casting news from our characters, but. Who knows? Yeah. Speaking of releases, Chris, Thursday, May 27th, Ragnarok Season 2 comes out on Netflix, which is a little Scandinavian show. It's a little hidden gem. I like the first season. Uh, second season, I'm looking forward to. Friday, May 28th, a lot of people are looking forward to this one. Lucifer Season 5 Part 2 comes out. Of course, Season 6 is the last season. But this one, we actually have God on the show. A little minor spoiler there, but it's going to be a good one. And that is all we have for our movie section, our TV section today. Remind me real quick, who did they cast as God? Uh, the Allstate guy. Oh, uh, Dennis, uh, Dennis Haysbert. Yep. He yeah, is God. Okay. He's got the voice for it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> all right, so on to movies. So first off, did you watch anything extra or just the one that we watched for the show? I started Brave for uh, one of my podcasts I listen to. They're doing a Pixar interview. I started it, have not. I maybe gotten 15 minutes in. That's about it. Gotcha. Yeah, I didn't watch anything else either. I've been grinding a lot on the games. and uh, If I watch anything for the first time especially, I try to watch it so I can pay attention to it. Right. If I'm re-watching something I've seen a million times, I'll throw it on while I'm, while yeah. I'm gaming. Um, so this week we watched Army of the Dead mm -hmm. and, uh, <clears throat> the basic rundown on this is the government is transporting Zeus, who yeah. is a, uh, who, who is a, a zombie and, uh, <laughs> the way he gets loose <laughs> is, uh, this couple's just gotten married in Vegas, and the uh, the bride is so happy that her new husband has made an honest woman of her. Mm -hmm. She decides to give him a blowy as they drive down the road. Yes. He's not paying attention, obviously, to where he's going. <laughs> the guys in the transport transporting the package that is Zeus. I love this part. Aren't paying attention because no. they're they're talking. And all of a sudden, 
they slam head on the the front vehicle of the transport explodes the car explodes why it was an older model car i don't know That's... but it it was that was a little strange <laughs> uh but zeus gets free and this starts everything and then you have this montage of the initial uh outbreak including topless zombie showgirls chasing this guy down and eating him basically in this uh it was a hot tub yep and (laughs) it it this pretty much lets you know what you're in for with (laughs) right the little singing at the beginning of it all and the music great soundtrack to this movie by the way great they had some elvis in there which you're set in vegas you got to have that Mm -hmm. but um really really good soundtrack and they they use the music well uh in spots so essentially just to finish setting it up because it is new so we don't want to spoil a whole lot mm-hmm. uh dave batista's character is scott ward and he during the initial outbreak he's fighting as many of these things off as he can the big point for him, though, is that apparently his wife starts to turn. And he realizes it. He goes into the room where she's at, takes a knife, and just right through the top of her skull. And that's something I didn't really understand. I get, it makes it a little bit more dramatic, I guess. Yeah. But he had the gun pointed at her. You know, he couldn't shoot her. Yeah, I mean, a quick and easy kill. It's a little bit more personal to me to stab a knife through your wife's brain. I feel like, and it's slower, I feel like if you shot her, it'd be quick and easy and it's done. But it was a little bit more personal. I don't know. I, I would have shot my wife. I'm just... It, it, you know, if she was a zombie, I mean, I'm not doing it slow... I understand it's a whole set piece and everything, but I I, I would have shot her just to make it quick better and easy. But put that into context, or you'll be yeah. on a Dateline episode. Yeah. <laughs> we I'm have him on my door podcast. here in a minute. <laughs> um, what was strange to me, I which I guess he didn't want to. I'm assuming he didn't want to. Maybe that's why he also didn't shoot her. I don't think he wanted to mess her up. Right. You know? Because if, if you're going to use a knife, it seems like the easiest way to penetrate the brain would be through the eye socket. Yeah, or I mean, or the, <laughs> the side of the, of the head. S- I mean, the top <laughs> of the skull seems like it'd be rather hard. You know? <laughs> unless, unless he knew right where the soft spot was. Right. <laughs> but even then, that's that's bone. Yeah. <laughs> um, <sighs> But the daughter sees the mother. I don't think she witnessed the stabbing itself. She sees the aftermath of her, him pulling the knife out. Mm -hmm. She knows that she was turning, but their relationship after that changes. So part of the story that you get to see is him trying to reconnect with her. Um. The government puts, all of Las Vegas puts a wall around it or a big fence 
we're getting the uh, this is more of the uh, uh, immigration debate mm-hmm. kind of finding its way into a story because there's this huge fence put up to keep people that are different in as well as a tent city set up outside to keep people that are mainly different um, quarantined just in case they infect other yeah. people. Um, I, I wish they would have given us more of a timeline from that first initial bite to yeah. uh, till we get this walled off debate of where we're, what we're going to do with these uh, with Vegas. Yeah, because we see him fighting the uh, fighting the the zombies, mm-hmm. and then we cut to him in a diner. Yep, working as a cook. I, I, like, I just wish we had more of a. A timeline here but but the jumping off point from there and this is really the last detail detail that i'll i'll give is there he is contacted by a businessman to get some of his money out of a vault mm-hmm. in the basement of one of the one of the hotels and he gives him the the money basically well, he doesn't give him any money. He he tells him he can have $50 million of the money. However you he want can to divide it. However you want to divide it. Um, and to recruit who he needs to recruit. And what I thought was funny is almost immediately, he plans to try and screw the guy over. Right. Right. He's like, oh, well, we'll... we'll We'll each take fifty million, and it's like right. The classic and, heist and they, trope. Yeah, and they shortchange everybody else. Mm-hmm. I loved how they they went through and you know started off with you know you get um, uh, five hundred thousand. Next guy gets two hundred fifty thousand. Next one gets fifty thousand. Right. I, I thought that was great how they did that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So overall i thought it was a it was a fun movie mm-hmm. I, I don't know i don't know if it was great i gave it three stars on letterboxd um which is right in line with willie's wonderland um this, i gave it the same rating but it was a two and a half hour runtime it was a longer movie than i was expecting and it to me it didn't feel like two and a half hours i thought i was probably watching for 145 to 2. Right. And so the fact that it it moved like that, that's definitely a positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the performances are really good. Um, there was one thing, because I was curious. I thought I'd heard something about this before. So I looked it up. They initially cast, and I hope I say his name right, actually considering... What he's accused of, I don't care if I say his name right. Chris D'Elia is a comedian, and he had filmed his role along with the rest of the cast as the chopper pilot. Mm. Um, but last summer, stories broke about him pursuing underage girls for sex and sexual, sexually harassing women. So he was let go, and that's when Tig Nataro. I thought she joined was, the cast. I thought she was wonderful. She was, but here's the thing: all her scenes she did by herself. 
and then they had to digitally insert her into the film, and you cannot tell. No, I did not know that at all. I didn't know it before the movie, and I didn't sense anything was off. No. But yeah, Dave Bautista, um, still, I don't think, has met her (laughs) face-to-face, even though they're in scenes together. Right. Oh, weird. That's pretty weird. Cool, um, so that was something though that I just a, a really little uh, weird tidbit about it. Also, he turned down Dave Batista did and offered to appear in Suicide Squad, the twenty twenty one Suicide Squad, so he could work on this film. Well, I I, I appreciate I like this film a lot. I think the the concept of what they did for zombies. Of course, we've done zombie movies forever. Um, And I think this concept of it all was, uh, you know, grouping them, had them one to contain to one area. You see politics and things going on via TV of what to do about Vegas and what's about to do about the people on the outside of it. There were a lot of different tropes going into it. Of course, like the immigration stuff, the the father-daughter thing with, uh, neither one of them, like he can't talk to her because he sees his mom and he thinks that she's going to blame him. That's why she's angry. She blames mm-hmm. him because that's not the point. She goes, I was angry because of, um, well, this is just minor spoilers. This isn't anything crazy that has even to the big plot of the movie. But she was doing, you know, she was upset because he wasn't there. And which, you know, classic trope plays into it towards the end. But I really enjoyed this movie Due to a lot of the characters that I turned up liking more than I thought I would, like my favorite ones were Dieter and uh, Vanderow. They were my because they were just your your fun uh, comedic relief, really. And right. uh, the the way that the zombies works, I'm not going to spoil it because um, there's a there's an anarchy, there's a hierarchy of how these the the zombies are. I thought that was fun. There's obviously yeah, more to it. To. I mean, they're, they're doing the prequels. There's even talk about doing a sequel to this. I really hope the prequel, which I'm sure it is, is the zombie outbreak. Because uh, we they the trailer that you see, if you've ever seen a trailer for this movie, it's all of them fighting zombies and everything. That was pretty much the first five minutes of this film. That was like a little montage. At the yeah. Beginning. And I want to see that. Like, how Dave Bautista always had some military training. Um but he's he's a food truck. We find out he's a food truck employee. Like he owns his own truck. I forget what he what he was cooking. Um, but I, I thought it was real well done. A lot of the a lot of these actors we've seen and things. Theo Rossi, who played the 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 D bag cop Bert, um, he was a douchebag in Luke Cage. Um, Garrett Dillahunt. I don't know if you recognized him, but he was in The Gifted as one of the douchebag uh, federal officers. I mean, we had a lot of tie-ins to our to our shows through a lot of these people, and I felt that was so fun. The way that it ended um, left you a lot to think about. Obviously, it sets up a sequel if they want to do one. I hope, really hope they do. I know for sure they've signed on for a prequel, but I, I just the the way that they did it, and you could tell some of the, some of the scenes weren't filmed the best to me, and you could tell were like in a green room or a blue room. But um, I I really enjoyed it the way that they did some of the like the vault scene, uh, 
the way that some of these zombies died and acted, I thought were really cool. But there's a lot of questions I have from it. But I really enjoyed the movie throughout. And to me, this one gets a, a B minus. Uh, mainly because it's, it's a different zombie movie than we're used to. It's not just they're all brainless idiots and just your classic like, Walking oh, Dead. Some of those. Yeah, I mean, they were, they get the hierarchy and everything. And, and they, yeah. they said that going into it towards the beginning, before they went back into Vegas. And they really don't touch on it that much because they don't know about all of this. Yeah. Uh, I want to know more about Zeus. I... Like, uh, they came from Area 51, and right. that was one of my favorite parts was was the two army guys just in there talking back and forth, trying to think, oh, what, what do we, you know, what do we think we're transporting? Well, considering where it came from, it really could be. They never said aliens. They said, oh, you know, it could be. But nope, just, uh, just a souped-up uh, zombie. So, but yeah, B- yeah. for me on this one. Yeah, I'd be a B- too. There, there's a couple of things that... Uh that I thought were interesting. So, um, Amari Hardwick played, um, Bandero, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And the guy that, and I can't pronounce his name, the the, the guy that played Dieter, um, Matthias Schweighofer. That minute. Yeah. That sounds good to me. Um, he, um, he told a funny story about, they're at uh, craft services mm-hmm. on set. Everybody's eating. And uh, all the zombies had to be able to move fast. So they had them on diets, basically, of salad and stuff like that to, so that they, they didn't eat anything that kind of stayed heavy on them. Amari Hardwick is bulked up for the movie. Mm-hmm. So he's over there eating all this protein, all this meat and everything. So you have the zombies eating plants. <laughs> and you have you have him over there shoveling meat down. Just eating all it, this protein it, he could get. Said, said, that, said that it was just the weirdest thing. But we can't get into names. And I know that. But I think there's four characters that we could see return in a sequel. I know of two. Two. Two for sure, right. right? But I think there's two others that we think are no longer mm-hmm. that could be because we don't have a definite death scene. I'm not even gonna say that. <laughs> I just I I think the way the movie sets up, there's. I think four people could come back for a sequel. Oh, we're going to have to talk off show about that one then. <laughs> All right. So, that was our review. Next week, The Woman in the Window. Mm-hmm. Which <clears throat> I'm really looking forward to. I've heard, I've heard some really interesting things about it. So I, I think it'll be, I, I think it's going to be a good one. Um, into movie news, we have two more castings that have been announced for Knives Out 2. First up, Leslie Odom Jr. Now, we watched one of his performances in One Night in Miami. Mm-hmm. That's why I was really um, excited about this one, too. Where, where he played Sam Cooke. Um, so 
I think that's going to be. God, I love the cast for this movie. Mm-hmm. It just keeps getting better and better every time they announce something. And Kate Hudson. Yep. It's going to be in this. So, two major roles filled. We don't know how how big the cast is going to be. Yeah. I mean, they've got to be getting close to being done, right? With as many as we got last week and this week now. The first one, you had the family, and then you had the what, cops. Three to four cops, counting Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. So. 10 to 12? Right. Wish yeah, they got to be, there. <laughs> be getting close. Um, Netflix has announced that they've adapted R.L. Stein's Fear Street books into three films. And let me pull the, uh, the story up here. If it'll pull up. There it goes. Technology's wonderful, guys. Isn't it? <laughs> And this comes from The Verge, byline by Andrew Webster. The 90s are back in Netflix's latest horror movies. A trilogy of movies based on R.L. Stein's classic Fear Street book series is coming to the streaming service in July, which is interesting because that's like a month and a half away. Yeah. They didn't announce this for casting purposes, nothing. They, you know, they just... It looks like there's a trailer out for it, but you think this would have gained traction more than it has. They must not have put much into marketing for this. Right. The other thing that's interesting about this is how they're dropping it. So part one's going to debut July 2nd, followed by sequels on the 9th and the 16th. Mm-hmm. And these are films. These aren't, it's not like a three-part series or something. Right. So that's a little that's a little interesting. Normally they'll spread those out. Um, the basic premise, according to Netflix, is in 1994, a group of teenagers discovers the terrifying events that have haunted their town for generations may all be connected, and that they may be the next targets. Based on R.L. Stein's best-selling horror series, the trilogy follows the nightmare through Shady Side's sinister history. Uh, no. Each film covers. Oh, go ahead. Each film covers a different time period. The first in 1994, the sequels explore 1978, and of course, 1666. Okay, why not? Now, it makes me wonder why they're not doing this in, um, you know, October and building, you know, some Halloween hype. But I got to thinking right. about it, and it makes sense because, you know. I'm just assuming I'm putting this in the universe. Hubie Halloween 2 is going to be a big thing. So they're going to have to put that into the, you know, Netflix doesn't want to really mess with their Hubie Halloween numbers. And that's, that's just where I'm going with it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> next up from deadline.com and Justin Kroll, Batgirl. Adil El Arbi and Bilal Falah to helm new standalone pick for Warner Brothers. So, this is the same duo that directed Bad Boys for Life. Still haven't seen that one yet. And they're now going to be directing the Batgirl movie. It's going to follow Barbara, Barbara Gordon, the daughter of Gotham City Police Commissioner James Gordon. 
Christina Hudson pen the script for what's being planned as a movie for HBO Max. So planned going huh planned as a movie planned planned as a movie for HBO Max mm-hmm. straight to the streaming service. Um this doesn't there's there's not many more details than that. Mm-hmm. It's just um start speculating about you know who's going to get cast um alicia silverstone they do mention was the most recent batgirl on movie screens she's been the only one i mean we've got uh the lady actress gonna play her in titan season three but she's never been portrayed as being this our first um movie for batgirl besides i'm gonna being in batman forever I want to bring up a popular name for this show as a suggestion. How about Chloe Bennett? Always. I mean, we. I want her more stuff. That's why I really want Powerpuff to take off, just because she's right. just phenomenal and she needs every bit of gigs she could get because she needs just to be in more stuff. Absolutely. Next up, DC has announced a new Injustice animated movie. Tyler's really happy. This This comes from comicbook.com and Jenna Anderson. Uh, One of DC's most popular Elseworlds tales is officially getting the film treatment. As Warner Brothers confirmed, Injustice animated movie will be the next title in the studio's slate of animated films. Uh, Little in the way of details have been revealed, but it will seemingly been out of the popular video game series and comic series of the same name. A sneak peek of the film will be available as part of the upcoming home release for Batman The Long Halloween Part 2. So there's some incentive to go pick up a physical copy of that. Um, No other details surrounding the project, including a voice cast or release date, are available at this time. I'm so in for this. I can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. I... I've got both games. I mean, they're sitting on my shelves over here. Mm-hmm. I this will make me once this gets closer and closer to releasing, it will. I'm going to go through and play both of the story modes on there, and I've got the comic series of Injustice Two. I never got the first uh, run, but the second run is phenomenal. Like it, it's so good. Uh, essentially, it's superheroes and villains against each other. Uh, you know, like uh, Superman is the main bad guy, and oh, I, I can't wait for it. I'm and I'm glad it's animated. Would I have wanted a live action? Obviously, does DC have the staff and cast for that yet? Nowhere near it. But their animated shows and movies are some of the best of the best, and I this makes me really excited. Yeah, I, I it's one of those things. It's like uh. Batman the animated series, you know, getting mm-hmm. getting redone. It's like, okay, bring it on. This is where DC needs to stay, I think. I mean, yeah. we know they're we know they're gonna make movies, but until they figure that out, put most of your focus on your CW shows and your uh your HBO Max shows like Titans and then these animated efforts. That are doing well and being received well. Yeah. Absolutely. Next news item. I like this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting. Hocus Pocus 2 gets a release date of fall 2022 on Disney+. And 
this looks like it came out direct from Disney. Mm-hmm. It is it is a picture this Disney Hocus Pocus two, and underneath it has tweets from the actresses. From the actresses, Bette Midler said, "Sisters, it's been three hundred years, but we're back." Hocus Pocus 2 arrives fall 2022 on Disney+. Plus. Kathy Najimy says, The people have spoken. I smell children. Again. <laughs> Hocus Pocus 2 arrives fall 2022 Disney+. Plus. And then Sarah Jessica Parker. Yep. I'm ready to run. Amuck, 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 amuck. Hocus Pocus 2 arrives February 2022 on Disney+. Plus. So they are, they are into this. I I knew Bette Midler for a while was trying to get this project off the ground. I mean, it's a, um, it's a classic. I mean, it's a uh, our generations love this movie. And yeah. The fact that it's taken this long to get a sequel just is mind-boggling to me. But I'm glad we yeah, are. You, I, I thought it was a lot closer than this. But you, know. you brought up Hubie Halloween, right? And. Hocus Pocus is one of those films every person that I know of that I've ever heard talk about when when October rolls around they start their 31 days of Halloween movies and and all this no matter what else they're watching no matter how hardcore it is nothing they work this into their films yep. they, it's, it's just I haven't seen it since I was little but I, I mean, it's a classic Halloween movie. I mean, how do you not watch it, you know, or know about it? I just, it still blows my mind. This is, we're just now getting a sequel to it. Yeah. But at least they're doing it. Right. Um, next up, Dave Filoni is now executive creative director of Lucasfilm. And this comes from Screen Rant and Richard Fink. Um, and his... The rest of his title there is fans are learning Dave Filoni is now listed as executive creative director at Lucasfilm, which means big things for Star Wars and other projects. Um, he got his start on the hit animated series King of the Hill and Avatar The Last Airbender. Such a good show. And he was picked by George Lucas himself to help develop Star Wars The Clone Wars. Uh, that series became a fan favorite, and since then, after the purchase of Lucasfilm by the Walt Disney Company, Filoni has helped create various Star Wars series, including Star Wars Rebels, The Mandalorian, and most recently, Star Wars The Bad Batch. They found Lucasfilms um, has found their Kevin Feige. They need it. Mm -hmm. they, I mean, they're not hurting as bad as as some others, but when you have a universe that's as diverse as theirs is mm -hmm. and as expensive you gotta have somebody like that I mean everyone's really because he, he got hired on in the summer of 2020 just nobody knew you know what exactly it was and that's why he gained traction again this week it was a report came out about I forget what it was about oh it was about the the New Republic and they found out he was listed as um, executive creative director and I'm like, yeah, I mean, this is, this is your guy. I mean, they asked Kevin Feige to do it. And they said, no, and he goes, I'm sticking with Marvel. And it, that makes me love him so much more because he's not putting more onto his plate where, I mean, he's, he's got this, this film series and TV shows now that are just hit after hit after hit. 
And I mean, he knows where his audience is. I mean, he loves Star Wars too, and he's he said it in the past. But I mean, I am all about Dave Filoni being the Kevin Feige of Lucasfilm because we're about to to turn it up a notch. And it's I mean, The Mandalorian's phenomenal. And, and I, from what I hear, Bad Batch is good. And a lot of people can't get past, like after they watch the first episode, they're like, eh, I don't want to watch anymore. But I mean, everyone says it's really good. And we've got the Ahsoka show coming out. We've got the Book of Boba Fett coming out later this year. And I'm, I'm all in. I'm, I'm glad that we, we finally have a head for Star Wars that knows what they're going to do with it. Yeah, it's going to be a, a real positive thing. Final news item. The Rock scores another DC role as Crypto the Superdog in the TV show <laughs> DC League of Super Pets. Did not see this coming at all. <laughs> this comes from Deadline and the byline to Anthony D'Alessandro. I always have to stop on that last yeah. name and make sure. Uh, basically, it just says Dwayne Johnson is set to voice Crypto the Superdog in the upcoming animated feature, DC League of Super Pets. Um, his production company, Seven Bucks, has also signed on to produce. So he's got even more mm -hmm. uh, investment in this. The superhero action adventure from writer-director Jared Stern, which we hear Warner Brothers Brass are really impressed by, hits theaters May 20th, 2022. The pick already was scheduled on the release calendar, but Johnson's attachment is new. DC League of Super Pets opens before Memorial Day weekend next year, which currently is chock-a-block with Paramount's Mission Impossible 7, Lionsgate's John Wick Chapter 4, and an untitled Disney live-action title. It's going to be a huge so, weekend for the cinema. Yeah. And yeah, out it of is. all of those, I'm going to go watch DC League of Super Pets. <laughs> After you watch John Wick. Have you seen right. the first three? No? No. I need to, though. I know. Yeah. Well, that's all of our movie news. So, um, we do have releases. Cruella at the cinema and on Disney Plus on May 28th. Also that same day, in theaters, A Quiet Place Part 2, which I've heard rave reviews of mm -hmm. from people that have gotten to see it. And also May 28th, in the UK, at the cinema, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. That sounds like we're a gonna, good time for the, the UK people. We're, we're going to get Tyler to watch that soon. Uh, I mean, it's a whole mythos at that point. You have to start at the beginning. And I'm good. We can, we, no, we can do that. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, no, we, we stop at we, ghosts and demons and stuff <laughs> like that for me. We... Um, <laughs> We need to plan our October watches anyway, so. Uh, you know. Anywho, gaming is up next. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you've been even grinding, uh, playing a bunch of games. What you been playing? So, I've played, obviously, I've played a lot of the show. Um, working on that XP ladder for the second inning program and, uh, and Team Affinity. But, they're still doing two or three days during the week of server maintenance during the early morning hours. Mm-hmm. So what I've been doing is for an hour or so before I go to bed, I've been jumping back over on Valhalla. Right. Working on that. So I finally I finally got past the King Killer uh storyline. Mm-hmm. 
because uh, when I first went to play it, I had skipped so much just going straight through the story that I got to Ivar with a 95 power rating. Oh. And the, and the suggested is like 130. Of course, yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go back to my last save point. <laughs> go get some, some power built up. Came back at 115. And I defeated him. That story is, is so good. Yeah. It's a pivotal choice moment, too, at the end of that fight. I don't want to spoil that for anybody. But there's a at the end of the fight, there's a you have a big choice that it's one of the bigger choices. And I love Ivar the Boneless. And the way that they did him and his brother in this game were just so good. Did you watch yeah. any of the Access to Anima stuff? I watched, I went back and I started watching like when news was breaking about mm -hmm. Valhalla initially. And I watched uh, one of the live stream discussions that they did that was like over an hour. Um, I didn't watch a lot of the videos yet, but I've, I've been kind of working my way through stuff I wanted to see. Don't don't spoil um, it for yourself yet, because they some of the videos that I've watched, like the twenty and thirty minute videos, like they talk about the ending, explain and stuff like that. Don't spoil it for yourself, because it's just mind blowing. Well, he um, one thing about that though is oh what what did he call it? Uh the the way that he this not really a spoiler because I'm not going to name the characters. The way that he kills the guy. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what he called it. Was it like the Bloody Eagle or Oh or the Blood Eagle. Like the Blood Eagle, yeah. Oh such a that's a huge thing in Viking lore. Could you it, imagine? Uh like so for those of you who don't know what like a blood eagle is, they they tie you up or someone holds your arms. This is in Viking culture, like this is to it's to disgrace. It's, it's like, it's a horrible thing. So they tie you up and they slice down your spine from your neck down to, to your, your lower back and they rip your skin back. And then they pull your lungs out from behind you, from your chest and to your outside of you. And it's called the blood Eagle ceremony. It's like for what you do for like low, the low honorable people, um, people that just are just a disgrace. I mean, it, to the guy they did it to, you know, to each their own, but we man, could say too, it's done while you're alive. Yes. No, no, you're not dead. No, this is, no. Yeah, this, this is the reason they call it that too. Cause you look like an Eagle once everything's done, but you're screaming out like one as well. Cause I mean, it, it's, it's, it's pretty painful. I'd imagine. Yeah. So I don't want to find out what that feels no, like. No, I'm good. I think I'm fine with, you know, something else. Old age. So what have you been playing, Tyler? Oh, uh, of course I am nonstop on Destiny 2. I can't, like, I, of course, Vault of Glass was this weekend, the the remake of the raid that came out six years ago. And, uh, but I finally got Mass Effect in. I came in on Thursday and I played maybe two hours in it. I'm officially the Spectre, um, Commander Shepard, uh, Spectre, which is their... A big title in the game. I'm just got to my first world. I'm still, I guess I'm out of the prologue now. I guess, but I, I haven't. Destiny has taken so much. I am I'm 100% addicted to Destiny again, and I, I can't stop. 
I, I really can't. And to me, it's your MLB the show. Yeah, it's just, I, I can't not stop playing it. Play it all the time. Right. And like I've got, I mean, resets uh, tomorrow at noon, and I'm already thinking about what I'm going to do in it. And oh, I can't wait. I just, I need to find me a clan that to play with more than anything. I've been playing a bunch of solo stuff. Mm. But those are my games. Uh, Chris, we got four articles for the uh, article of news here for the gaming sphere. Of course, I said the first a little bit, teased it. Number one, eight years after the launch of GTA 4, well, it's coming to a next gen on November 11th. We're going to techradar.com. Five. G- GTA, what did I say, GTA 4? You said four. Oh, I meant GTA 5. So uh, this is on techradar.com by Samuel Roberts and Vic Hood. GTA 5, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X is happening. The iconic GTA 5 will have released on three generations of consoles after it arrives, expanded and enhanced on the new consoles this November. More than seven years after its first release and 130 million copies shipped later, GTA 5 and its multiplayer component, GTA Online, is still enormously successful for Rockstar Games and Take-Two Interactive. Even if it means you're not getting GTA 6 in the immediate future, the key intent here is keeping GTA Online's player base engaged across generations. Insane. Absolutely insane to me that we do not have a GTA 6. This year's E3, which is a couple weeks away, mind you, is I would be shocked if we don't get a teaser for GTA 6 somewhere. Um, whether it's the Xbox uh, showcase or when PlayStation does their state of play somewhere. But that blows my mind. We <laughs> Eight years later, it's still, I mean, it's still top of the charts every week for sales. So, you know, that's, that's also a completely different situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, granted, but you look at a game like God of War and how it's, the original people still play it You're right. all this time later and it's just those games certain ones just hold up um and they keep adding dlcs i mean it gti online is fun i mean you make your own character yeah. and you can literally do everything in that game i mean you can golf play darts you know race you can fly planes. I mean, then you're also your classic GTA stuff of killing people and you're doing gang wars. And, I mean, there's so much you can do in it. It's, it's fun, but uh, anyways, speaking of fun, Jeff Keighley's summer game fest kicks off Thursday, June 10th with a world premiere showcase with a performance by Weezer. We are going to IGN.com by Rebecca Valentine. This event will be part of IGN Summer of Gaming. Uh, summer, that's just a little byline thing. The season of Summer Games announcement is nearly upon us as Jeff Keighley has officially announced the date of this year's Summer Game Fest with the festivities beginning on Thursday, June 10th. Summer Game Fest will open the event kickoff live, a live stream showcase taking place on June 10th at 11 a.m. Uh, PT time, uh, 2 p.m., uh, 1 p.m. our time across Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and other major streaming services. The event will be hosted by Jeff Keighley and promises to feature, quote, more than a dozen world premieres and announcements from select publishers. GTA can honestly be here as well. Uh, alongside new major announcement, Kickoff Live will feature Day of the Devs, an indie game showcase headed up by I Am 8-Bit and Double Fine Productions. And it will be also included performance by Weezer, who will perform a new, quote, stream-safe game soundtrack song. 
that Summer Game Fest promises will be freely streamable across Twitch, YouTube, and anywhere else without being blocked or losing monetization, which is huge because that's a big thing on Twitch right now is uh, DMCA. So this is great. Uh, of course, this is be this is two days before E3 officially kicks off, and I am glad that I'm at a job where I can watch it and not have to worry about it. So <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait though. Like I, that's I'm gonna be glued. Uh, I am uh, any of these things. The, I treat these as holidays. Uh, E3 kicks off on a Saturday and a Sunday and ends on Tuesday, which it usually does. But it's all digital, so I mean, still. I'm excited about yeah. it, and it's completely free. That's the best part. Yeah, I, I like it being free. <laughs> Number three, Naughty Dog enhances The Last of Us Part Two for PlayStation 5. We're going to Polygon.com by Micro McWhorter for this one. Naughty Dog's latest update for The Last of Us Part Two enhances the game's performance on PlayStation 5. Patch 1.08 for the game released Wednesday, which will let PS5 owners choose a frame rate target of either 30 frames per second or 60 frames per second, Naughty Dog said on the PlayStation blog. Quote, this allows you to choose your preferred frame rate to complement the rest of the enhancements that are part of the PlayStation 5 pack or compatibility with PlayStation 4 games, such as an enhanced resolution, faster load times, and more, Naughty Dog Director of Communications Arnie Meyer explained. Now it's time to hop into it, Chris. It's time. Well, I so I saw the update notification pop up, and I was like, "Why is that updating?" What? Mm-hmm. So this is what it was. Yeah. Oh, makes me want to go back in. Again, it's such an emotional, heavy game, but it's one of those that are the first one. It's like I love to platinum and one hundred percent these games or games in general, but. The second one is so emotional heavy. Like I just I want to have that story in my head and not go back through and replay it because it's I mean it, it takes a toll on you. it really does. But speaking of taking a toll, and I'm really excited about this one. I mainly put this one in here for myself because it's not the biggest of news. Bungie is turning on limited crossplay this weekend for Destiny 2, and I'm going to put this up front. They did it as a minor bug i think it got turned on a little early uh two weekends ago and they turned it off like on a friday um but we have been asking for the destiny community for crossplay for years now i mean this is a seven-year-old game and we don't have crossplay yet but they're turning it on this weekend we're going to gamersgrade.com by steven robin Earlier this month, some lucky Destiny 2 players got a brief glimpse of the crossplay functionality that's heading to the game. But as crossplay was sent live as part of a bug, it was quickly clawed away from them by Bungie. If that makes you as a Destiny 2 player with friends spread across platforms sad, then there's some good news coming. Crossplay will soon be coming back to Destiny 2 for a limited time beta test, and this time it'll be arriving intentionally. Um, so they said in one of their little articles that Bungie put out, that's for this weekend only, and it's only for a Vanguard Strike, which is a three-team fire team, a three-man fire team that you go through and take out like a, a boss. And I'm excited about it because if you participate in it, I think if you participate in three matches, you get a free banner in the game, and it looks really good, showing that you know you beta tested this, and I am going to be in it. Uh, I might do more than I'm going to do more than three, but it, it excites me because I play on Xbox now. I played a PlayStation originally. They've got cross saves. I could play on PC if I wanted to, but I want to play on what 
on my platform of choice and be able to play with other people. Like, I mean, that opens up your clans and things like that instead of just keeping it locked onto a console. So this is exciting news uh, for the Destiny community. Now, notable new releases, we've got the Oddworld Collection coming to Switch on May 27th, and Biomutant comes out PC, PS4, and Xbox One on May 25th. I've heard it's a good, good little game, it looks good. Um, I won't be getting it unless it comes to Game Pass or something like that, but, but that's it, Chris. We had, a, we had a pretty good banger of an episode. And I love it. Let me ask you something real quick before we completely shut the door on gaming. Okay. All right. Uh, a development with Twitch this week. Um, and and they called out one streamer in particular, Amaranth, I mm -hmm. think is how you say it. So apparently these hot tub streams yeah. and stuff like that are huge. Mm -hmm. Taking over the page. And, and there's people that are saying, you know, this violates terms of service. They've suspended ads without telling the streamers. They've mm -hmm. uh, Other people are saying, how does this violate terms of service? It's somebody in swimwear. Right. Um, how, how, do you, how do you set that? So I was curious uh, what your thoughts are. So on... being someone in the streamer community as I am, I've seen a lot of different takes on this. Mine personally is, I mean, if it's following guidelines, which it is, then it doesn't really matter. But it became such an issue that they had to make their own category for uh, it's pools, hot tubs, and beaches is what it is. So essentially, males can now show their nipples and shirts off, which originally you couldn't, which was weird. But, I mean, essentially you have these girls on there uh, and ladies and things like that, which, again, it's not against terms of service. A lot of people are like, this is so trashy, though. And it, it's borderline. So there's websites. You, there's your pornographic websites out there um, that do live streams and things. I'm not going to mention them because we're not sponsored by anybody. Uh, but... It's, it's borderline what that is because they're also promoting their OnlyFans, their Snapchats, and stuff like that where you can get those more pornographic stuff. But it doesn't violate the terms. And there's a lot of people upset because, I mean, a lot of these are getting so much traction, so many viewers. Obviously, uh, Twitch is male-heavy. You know, I mean, it is what it is. And there's some horny people out there, but a lot of people are saying that when these kids come home, they turn on Twitch to watch their favorite streamer, you know, Tim the Tatman, Nick Merckx, you know, stuff like that. But what's on the front page now? You got some uh, busty girl in a tight bikini sitting on a pool float in a hot tub in her room that uh, you could become a sub for her and get her OnlyFans for free on Twitch. I mean, I, I get all the views. I, I seriously get every viewpoint from the streamer to the kids to other streamers and things like that, but they're not doing anything wrong. It doesn't violate any of their policies. I mean, obviously, if it did, they would have banned people. Now, advertisers don't have to advertise for them. I mean, that's the choice unless they're under contract. But I mean, they're, they're, viewer, they're getting a lot of viewerships. Like, I mean, it's even come across mine when it first started happening. I said, what the hell is this? It was like 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, one of my streamers went live, 
and I logged into the app and went to the homepage, and it was just sitting right there on a banana float. I was like, what the hell am I looking at here? I was making sure I was opening the right app, you know? I just didn't know what was going on. But, yeah. Yeah. That's that's how I look at it. Doesn't bother me, you know? I'm not going to watch it or do anything right. with it, so just how I feel. It's funny. It's funny, though. I've seen people comment that they go into these streams and then they also say that they completely disagree with that that sort of content. Well, then why are you going into yeah. the Why, why are you the giving them views? And yeah. it's it just makes you think. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, <laughs> uh, but ladies and gentlemen, that was Nerd Wide Podcast episodes twenty seven. Thank you all so much for sticking in, watching, and viewing. If you like our hero cravings and want to see more of it, you can always see our back catalog. We tell you what episodes to watch before the episode uh, airs and what, what we watch and everything so you're not spoiled by anything. If you're heavy into the CW-verse uh, as far as your, your superhero shows, uh, your Krypton, your Inhumans, make sure you, uh, like if you like that, go watch Hero Cravings. We, we really enjoyed doing that a while ago. I mean, that was many lifetimes ago, I feel like, at this point. But we enjoyed doing it. We brought a little bit back to it with you with this episode, and we're going to do it going forward in the future as well. Uh, if you like this podcast, make sure you rate and review us on whatever podcast service you're on. Or if you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, share it around, and give us a thumbs up and comment down below. It helps gain us traction with the YouTube algorithm. Uh, and we want to hit more viewers so we can do more stuff like this for you guys. Um, but again, thank you so much for watching. If you want to do that extra little, if you want to go that extra little mile for us, nerdwide, uh, patreon.com slash nerdwide uh, to go the extra little bucks if you want to toss our way. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow the NerdWide account at nerd underscore wide. Or if you want to follow me on Twitter, Ty underscore Haynes. Or if you follow Chris, that's MavTN7. But guys, this has been NerdWide Podcast episode 27. Make sure next week you're watching A Woman in the Window. Or is it A Lady in the Window? A Woman in the Window. Woman in the Window. Nailed that part. Uh, make sure yeah. you watch a Superman uh, in Lois episode 7, Man of Steel. And let us know what you've been watching. If you want us to watch anything that you're particular about, let us know. If you want us to read anything uh, book-wise, we've got something. We've got an opportunity coming up soon for Chris here soon. Um, let us know, guys, if you need anything. If you want us to do anything different, comments. And we're always a DM away on Twitter. So, guys, thank you so much for watching and listening. And we cannot wait to get to you next week. Make sure you're washing your hands and making sure you're getting vaxxed. Later, guys. <laughs>